Welcome to the Root and Remedy podcast, where we discuss all things women's health, hormones, fertility, and body confidence. I'm your host, Vanessa, a woman's health and fertility nutritionist and the co-founder of Root and Remedy Wellness. You can find our courses, free community group, and all other resources at rootandremedywellness.com. Today's episode is all about your relationship to food, and if you have followed me on Instagram or listened to the podcast for a little while, you know that this is the number one reason why all of this exists, why the podcast exists, why I became a practitioner, why I started my Instagram that eventually turned into my career, because starting at 12 years old, and I talk about a little bit on the podcast, but I will give you a bit of a window because I find it's very helpful when people share their personal experience. Um, It just, you know, I, I want you to know that if you're struggling with your relationship to food, if you feel like this is an uncomfortable topic and you don't know how to access it, you don't really know how to move forward with it, I want you to know you're not alone. I know exactly how you feel. And If you feel like you're in a prison thinking about food all the time, thinking about your body all the time, you're scared of gaining weight, maybe you're scared of losing weight, like all of these different things, it is so heavy and so painful and there are resources here for you, this episode being one of them, Emily, our guest being one of them. It is so important that we're having this conversation and that we're not keeping things in the dark. Whether you're a man or woman or or you identify as, as someone else, that is completely besides the point. All of us need to be having this conversation. So... I started struggling with my relationship to food and my body when I was about 12 years old. So I have a video on my Instagram. It's like years old now, but I explain and like literally read through my uh, journal and diary entries. And I talk about how when I was 12 years old, I had my first episode of binging and then purging. So with bulimia, which is the thing that I, the eating disorder that I struggled with for over eight years, almost a decade, you eat a lot of food in one sitting. So you you binge, so to speak, a lot of food in one sitting to the point where you are physically uncomfortable and then you make yourself throw up. So it's, it's a binging and purging cycle. And I know that sounds very graphic and it can make a lot of people uncomfortable. I completely understand that. Um, but it is the reality that a lot of us are dealing with and we're not talking about. So, and it can start really young when you're, when you're a child or an adolescent or you're in your early teens, you know, it's as if it's already not hard enough going through high school and like being a woman or being a man and, and trying to navigate dating and, and dressing for your body and, and feeling confident in your body. And you get all of these insecurities, you throw a really, a difficult relationship to food on top of that. And it just ends up being so heavy and so uncomfortable. So for over eight years of my life, I was stuck in this, um, I guess, feedback loop of I would try to be healthy. I would try to not necessarily restrict food, but just like focus on eating well. And then I would on the evenings and weekends or when I would drink alcohol in my later teens, I would binge and then I would purge because I'd be so scared of gaining weight. And that was the cycle I found myself in for so many years. It was on and off. So sometimes I would do it multiple times a week. Sometimes I would go a couple months and then it would come again. But regardless, I would be thinking about food all the time. I'd be thinking about my body all the time. I would be taking tons of photos of my body, trying to see, you know, was I looking fatter? Was I looking thinner? Was I getting bloated? Like just so much obsession with my body, literally thousands of photos of my body, which is, was just torturous. And every morning I would wake up. The first thing I would do is walk to my mirror, look at my body and just like ask, you know, how do I feel about my body today? How do I look? Do I look better or worse? Like, oh, it was just... It was like I talk about in the episode, it was a full on prison. So 
for a number of years, I struggled with that. I honestly didn't even admit or realize that I had an eating disorder. I thought that, you know, it was just the one quote unquote bad thing that I did was binging and purging. And you know what? As long as I was healthy, going to the gym, eating good food, I was vegan for a number of years. I was like, I'm good. And it took a lot of courage and a lot of time and a lot of other resources to admit to myself that I had an eating disorder and that I even had a problem. I like didn't even know I had one. Like your brain can convince you of such crazy things. And and one of them was literally, I didn't, I would never have told someone I had an eating disorder. That's why I didn't get help. Cause I was like, I, I don't have one. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just don't. So I went on a personal journey, but it took me a hundred times longer to get to the bottom of these issues and to solve these problems than it would have if I had the resources like Emily talks about today or the resources that I, I provide to my clients now knowing how they how this feels. So she is absolutely incredible. I, I love Emily. I wanted to bring her on the episode today because she is a registered dietitian and she focuses on a, your relationship to food, on trusting your intuition, connecting to your body, building a better, fuller, happier life, loosening the grip that your relationship to food can have on you when it comes to the torture you can literally feel and how horrible it can be having this difficult relationship to food and not only is she unbelievably qualified being a registered dietitian, she also has a lot of experience working with clients. She's got a group program. She works one-on-one with people. And I know that you'll find this episode so insightful. Even though I'm I'm past that point, I don't struggle with binging and purging anymore. It's been years and years and years. And, and I've, I'm very thankful that I've gone through this healing process. I can still resonate with a lot of the things that she says. We have great conversation about what are some red flags that you have a troubled relationship to food? Where does it come from? How can we start moving forward? How do we have conversations with our friends about their relationship to food? Because sometimes even if you're not struggling, you know somebody who is and you want to bring it up and you don't know how. So we talk about all those kinds of things. She talks to us about the resources she provides and her work is just so insightful. She literally makes the world a better place. And what I would have given to have had her as a resource when I was in my teen, my teenage years, struggling the most with my relationship to food all up into my 20s. And God, I just, I know I could have nipped it in the bud if I had this resource. So it's so important to me that we're putting this out because if you are struggling and you resonate with this episode, there is help for you. There are resources for you. Emily and I are here for you to get this conversation started, to get this ball rolling. So in the show notes, I've listed her Instagram, her website, um, how to book a session with her, like how to, how to contact her. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I hope that it will help you realize that focusing on your relationship to food is a beautiful, exciting thing. It makes your life better. These are questions worth asking because what I would have done to have not struggled for the decade of my life that I did, I don't regret it now because I had to go through that in order to have the life I do now and to be able to do this work. But Jesus, I do not wish that on my worst enemy. So this is a very powerful episode. I'm so thankful for Emily and I'm just so excited for you to listen. So let's get into my conversation with Emily. Before we dive into the topic of today, which is building a healthy relationship with food, why people need to care about having a healthy relationship to food and all of the beautiful things that you focus on, can you just take us through why you feel like it is important for someone to even understand their relationship to food, even before we start talking about improving it and all these tips and tricks that you can do. How does this help us live our lives when it comes to our relationship to food? Mm -hmm. That's such a great question. And I love the kind of starting with this because when we think about our relationship with food, it's, it's so much more than just the food, you know, like 
Food is something that, I mean, it's a basic need. It's something that we have to face every single day. And we eat every single day too. So if we're not focusing on having a healthy relationship with food, it is going to affect everything else in your life. You know, from your ability to, you know, go to work or to school, you know, it's going to show up in your relationships and your ability in like your energy levels and your hormones, like in your digestion. And so if we don't have a healthy relationship with food, you're going to see that pan out in so many different aspects of your life. And if we're constantly, you know, restricting or we're fearful of eating certain foods or we're binging or we're overeating, you know, all these disordered behaviors, it really is going to have such a big impact on everything else. Mm -hmm. I'm very open with my audience about, like I mentioned to you, my past with difficult relationships to food. And there were so many of my, uh, so many years where I didn't even know that I had a bad relationship to food. It was staring me in the face and I couldn't even see it. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you got to this place of working with people on their relationship to food, if you don't mind sharing, telling us about your personal story or how you fell in love with this work and why it's so important to you. Yeah, it's such a great question as well. And um, so for those who don't know me or don't follow me on socials, like I have been pretty open about my own struggles with food growing up. Um, I struggled with an eating disorder when I was like 14 years old. Um, I struggled with that for like 12 years of my life. And so I definitely understand the ins and outs of what it's like to truly struggle with food as I've been through it all, like the restricting, the binging, you know, the weight loss, the weight regain over and over and over again. And it really just had this huge impact on my life. Um, and I didn't really have you know, an understanding of like how to even fuel my body because there were so many mixed messages growing up of like, you know, don't eat this, you know, stay away from this, you know, you should be doing this. And so, and honestly, I feel like a lot of women kind of go through this struggle of like not really knowing how to support their bodies because we get so like so many messages from diet culture of like what to do and what not to do as far as like eating food, something that should be just so simple for us. Um, and so, yeah, I spent so many years of my life just, you know, thinking that food was the enemy. Um, I try, it was, you know, originally was like, I'm just going to eat everything low calorie. And then it was like, oh, I'm just going to eat everything low fat. And then it was like the carb thing. And then it was like, oh, just so many rules and like restrictions that I was putting on myself to me actually having a lot of health issues come from that. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I struggled with the missing period for like eight years and my hair was falling out. My digestion was awful. Um, during that time, I actually went vegan for like a year and that made things worse for me, for me personally. <laughs> I know some people love it, but it just, it ruined me. Um, so yeah, there was just a lot of, a lot of things that were going on with me. And I also had my breaking point in college when I realized, Hey, I can't be living my life like this anymore. You know, I'm way over exercising. I'm not giving my body enough fuel. I'm binging on things that typically people wouldn't be binging on. Um, and I just realized, Hey, I don't even have a social life anymore. Like all I think about is food <laughs> all the time. Mm -hmm. And all I think about is how my body looks and if I'm exercising enough and, it just became, you know, on the outside, it looked like something like, oh, she's dedicated. Oh, she's healthy. She has this great body. But on the inside, I was like, I'm struggling so much. So yeah, I had my breaking point in the middle of college when I was like, I just can't keep doing this to myself anymore. And that's when I, you know, started to obviously 
do more of my degree in nutrition and just, I wanted to learn, like I wanted to learn how do I actually feel my body and how, how can I help others feel their bodies just as much without going down the obsessive diet rabbit hole. Um, so in combination with me focusing on getting my degree in nutrition, but also working on myself, like really spending time to heal my own relationship with food is when I, you know, had this idea, like, you know, not this idea, but more so this, this gut feeling that this was what I was meant to do. Like I was meant to help people. I have such a passion for helping women, you know, get out of that restrict binge pattern with food, really make eating something that feels easy again. Um, I'm a huge advocate for intuitive eating and not having to be so obsessive about, you know, tracking every gram of food um, so that, you know, you can go out and like live your life, have a social life, you know, enjoy what you're eating instead of stressing and overthinking about every single thing. So, um, yeah, I forgot what the original question was, but that was me rambling for about three minutes straight. Um, (laughs) no, you answered my question perfectly. You answered it perfectly. It's so interesting that you say that too, because I love, love, love the point that you said about on the outside looking in, you looked like the fitness health queen, right? Like you had the aesthetic side of things. You were so disciplined. You, everyone was probably like, wow, oh my God, she's doing so well on her health journey. When on the inside, you were like, I am obsessed. And I don't know how you can answer this because I'm not sure how you felt, but I remember there were times where where I was like, this is going to be my life forever. Okay. I'm just going to be obsessed about food forever. Like I will never break this binge and purge cycle. I'll go a certain amount of time and then it'll always come back and I will always be thinking about food. And it's it is literally like a prison, kind of like you said. It is so heavy. It takes over your entire life. Even if no one else can tell, you know that you are living in that mental prison where you're thinking about everything that's gone into your body. You are stressing about eating Halloween candy or having an extra glass of wine or whatever it is. And it's it is straight torture. So do you did you ever have that that time where you were like, wow, is this gonna be my life forever? Oh yeah. Like so many times. I think when I was in the midst of it all, I'm like am I always going to be thinking about calories? Like, am I always going to be like overthinking, should I have this right now? Or like, is it time? Like I, when I tell you, like, I didn't think that life outside of having like so many food rules was possible, but it so is. And I think a lot of people make the mistake when they're trying to heal their relationship with food of like, just focusing on the food. And that was actually the biggest thing that I had to kind of step away from because if you're only focused on the food, food is going to continue to be your focus. So what we actually have to do is like heal the relationship that you have with yourself, obviously in conjunction with the food. But, you know, if the deeper rooted issues that you have with food stemmed from a deeper rooted issue with the beliefs that you have around your body and, you know, your self image, it's going to keep coming back you know, the food fears, the food rules, the obsessions, the compulsions. um, It's a, it's a manifestation of something greater. And until we get to the root of that and like start to heal and unpack those layers first, the food issues are always going to be there. Yes. Okay. On that note, can we talk about what are some of the root causes of a difficult relationship to food? So why, for example, would one person have a difficult relationship to food compared to another? Can you talk to us about where it comes from? I know, of course, it's going to vary person to person, but are there some common reasons why we would develop a difficult relationship to food and kind of live in this place? Mm -hmm. 
to your point, like obviously everybody is going to be different. Um, I would say for most women that I've worked with, it really does stem from childhood. Like, you know, we grow up with all of these mixed messages. Um, some women, you know, when they start developing and becoming a woman, like they can really struggle with their body image because obviously if you're changing before the rest of your friends and you're feeling bigger, like that can be a huge trigger. It's, um, I know that was a big trigger for myself. It's like, I was an early developer and I was, I just remember thinking back like, oh my gosh, like I feel so much bigger than my friends. You know, how can I stop this from happening? So like, it's always like, we always like try to fix, we always think as women, like, how can I fix my body? How can I fix the issue? What can I do? And so we turn to restricting, we, we, we turn to dieting. Um, and so I think that can be a huge trigger for a lot of women. It's just like that discomfort that you feel with going through any kind of body changes, um, whether that be something that you intended to happen or not, um, obviously through puberty or even, even later in life. You know, there's a lot of women who experience body image issues like going through menopause or dealing with things like, you know, thyroid issues or hormone issues that can cause your body to change without you doing anything. Um, so I do think a lot of these disordered eating behaviors really stem from the relationship that that we have towards our bodies and our perceptions. Um, and then obviously social media, I think is the worst, the worst oh. when it comes to beauty standards. Um, so if you spend a lot of time, you know, just hopping on your phone, scrolling all the time, you are going to see so many different types of women all like all day, every day. And if you kind of create this narrow vision of like, Oh, this is what beauty looks like. You know, this is what a, quote unquote, fit body looks like. And then you start looking at yourself and comparing. I think that can also cause a lot of um, women to think, oh, I need to do something to change. Um, now, obviously, there are more complexities to this. Like there's, it could be a manifestation of anxiety. Um, it could be a manifestation of perfectionism or OCD or depression for a lot of people. Um, so I do think that the root cause is going to be different. And that's why it's it's so important, to, like, like you do in your practice, to take that deeper rooted, like root, root cause approach. 100%. It's honestly something that bothers me so much is Ever since the whole fitness influencer movement, the Gymshark models, like that entire era that is still going on, I feel like that's given all of us such a complex because you're trapped between this place of you feel kind of inspired and motivated. You're like, wow, they're giving me great workouts. They also look so hot and so fit. I can look like that. Wow. But then at the same time, you know that when you close your phone and you look at your body in the mirror, you are depressed and you are upset and you're like, oh, okay, now I feel worse about myself because she looks literally picture perfect. It also makes us think that everybody looks like that because they're literally everywhere. It feels like everybody is hired by Gymshark or some kind of company and they look so perfect. So do you see a way, and this is kind of a, a side note question, but I would just love to have your opinion on that. If someone is using social media and they they do want to have that kind of inspiring content where they're on their health journey and they're working out and they want to keep going, is there a way where they can use kind of these accounts or use social media as a tool as opposed to it constantly depleting their self-confidence or their self-esteem? I would say it depends on the person because I feel like if you're going into it with the mindset of aesthetics only, like with your fitness journey, that's going to be a, a rabbit hole. Like, I'm just going to say that, especially if you're following like so many different types of influencers. What we have to remember is that 
these people literally work out for their job. That is their job to maintain this aesthetic. And if you're just like the average gym goer, somebody that's, you know, on your fitness or health journey, you don't ever need to kind of create this expectation that you need to look like them in order to be worthy. And when you actually go to like, just like a normal gym, right? Like normal gym, normal people, how many people actually look like that? I mean, like literally zero, right? And it's like, and then so many women feel bad about themselves for like not getting to this point. And it's like, Hey, you don't see what's going on behind closed doors. You have no idea how many like fitness influencers probably don't have a healthy relationship with food or how many times, you know, they're going to the gym when they don't feel like it, or, you know, they just push themselves to extreme limits with everything. And so again, yeah, if that is, you know, your dream, go for it. But like, I always like to say, like, it's not a dream body if it's a chore to maintain, you know, if you have to go out of your Mm -hmm. way to achieve that, are you happy when you achieve that? Is that something that once you get there, it's easy to maintain or does it feel like a chore? Right. Like, do you want to work out like it's your job? Probably not. Like you probably want to work out a few times a week and feel good, but these people are going every day or every day, twice a day. And exactly. I love, love, love that you said that the body is one, one honestly tiny aspect of the entire picture. And exactly like you said, if if it's a chore to maintain, if you genuinely hate the lifestyle that that person is living, and I mean, it's hard to tell because again, they're flexing on you all day being like, my life is perfect. Look at me. Like I live the best life ever. But you're so right that the life that they actually have, you probably don't want. They A lot of them do not have regular periods. A lot of them do not have a healthy relationship with food. So I like that you're helping us reframe that the body is one thing, but the entire life is another. And on that note, I would love, because I feel like you do this so well, especially on your Instagram page. I always learn so much from you, but can you talk to us about some red flags that people can look for if they're like, I don't know, what is my relationship to food like? Because some stuff I feel like is normal. Maybe some stuff I'm getting the inkling that maybe it's not super healthy. Can you walk us through some red flags, some typical classic blaring signs that someone is struggling with their relationship to food that they can be looking out for? Yeah. So, um, off the top of my head, um, I would say if you're spending a lot of your day just thinking about food. I think that's one of the biggest red flags that I see personally, um, with the clients that I work with. It's like, how much of your day are you spending pre-planning what you're going to eat? How much of your day are you spending thinking, like if you're eating a meal and you're already thinking about what can I have for lunch? What can I have for dinner? You know, what can I have for dessert later? Like that's a big red flag that something's going on that probably needs to be addressed. Um, now if you are somebody who you're always labeling, like, you know, that was a good choice. That was a bad choice. Or I've been good today. I've been bad today. That can cause a lot of issues as well. Because if we have this like good or bad food mindset, or like, I am a good person because I'm eating these good foods, or I'm a bad person because I'm eating these bad foods. When we create that morality, I've learned that a lot of women also have that all or nothing with, you know, the mindset. It's like, oh, I've already been bad today. So I'm just going to continue to be, continue to be bad. And therefore this is, this today's just ruined. Um, so that can stem into a whole different host of issues. Um, now, if you are somebody who you find that during the day you restrict or you try to quote unquote be good, but then at nighttime or, you know, when you get home from work, it's like the floodgates open and you just want to eat everything in sight 
or maybe you don't act on it, but you have those urges. You know, you're you're so food preoccupied to where it's like, oh my gosh, everything sounds so freaking good, but then there's that voice in your voice in your head that's telling you not to do it. Um, so some people end up binging, they overeat, or they just sit there and think about food and obsess about it. Um, so I would say like those are com- like the most common things that I see. Now, obviously, there are a lot of other things. Like again. How is your relationship with food impacting your relationships? Um, You know, how does it feel when you go out to eat with friends? Do you feel a lot of stress? Do you feel a lot of overwhelm or do you feel a lot of guilt for doing something like being social? Or do you say no to plans um, with friends because you don't want to ruin your diet? Um, So it's kind of going back to what I talked about earlier about how it manifests, right? so those are some typical things. Obviously, with disorder eating, eating disorders, there can be a lot of other things like compulsions with exercise, um, you know, weighing yourself frequently, binging, purging, things like that. Um, but I would say that those are typically the first red flags that I would see. Right. I also remember one with myself was every time. So I struggled probably the most when I was in high school and university, and um, when I would drink that would be a big one because then I would have like drunk food or whatever. And it was, it was like, yeah, like exactly. You said the floodgates would open and it was all I could think about. And it was almost, or it definitely was because it was a time when I didn't have my quote unquote willpower discipline. Exactly. Like you said, I would have the urge and then be like, no, 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 no. You want to be skinny more. So don't Mm -hmm. exactly like that horrible quote that nothing tastes as good as skinny feels kind of thing. Again, kill me. But back to the point. But then I would drink and it's, it was like that, that willpower slash that, you know, side of me that was keeping me in line would go away. And then it would just be so, so much all at once to the point where I would feel like physically ill because it was just so much food in one sitting so fast. So it's, I also sometimes wonder if someone, they can see that too of how are you feeling if you, when you smoke weed, when you drink alcohol, you know, how, how is that impacting your relationship to food? Because it was definitely, if I smoked weed as well, it was almost like exactly that, that side of me would dissipate. And then I would have these crazy urges and these crazy binges. So you can sometimes only see that in hindsight, but it is also something 100% to be aware of, like you said. Mm -hmm. So now that we kind of understand, okay, I'm going to be looking out for these things the, these are classic signs that that I need support. Also, I do not have to live my life this way. That That's a huge thing. I remember exactly we talked about. It was just something that you accept as a baseline or you think it's just a part of being healthy. It's not. It's not a part of being healthy. You should not be thinking about food all the time. That doesn't just mean you're committed to your health and wellness journey. <laughs> like We can say that right now. Can you talk to us a little bit because this is this is a very delicate balance that I would love to hear you speak on. And I think something that a lot of us struggle with, especially when we are embarking on healing our bodies, fixing our relationship with food, it's so complex. How do we start to take care of this balance between caring for our bodies and wanting to eat better, wanting to fuel ourselves appropriately, right? Like I talk a lot about on my page, eating vegetables, eating protein, eating healthy fats, like not being afraid of meat, all these beautiful things. 
and you want to focus on all the addition and you want to focus about eating well, but then sometimes you can go too far to the eating clean and eating well. And then you start to almost restrict and cause yourself mental stress, like you said before. So how do we balance? Yes, I want to fuel my body appropriately. Yes, I want to eat well. I want to treat my body well, but I don't want to get to the point where I am obsessing or restricting. And I can't, for example, like we talked about, have that Halloween candy or have that dessert or drink that glass of wine. How how do you have that balance between health and but not restricting? Mm-hmm. I always go back to like, what can we add in versus take away? You know, so if you're coming to me and you're like, I'm not eating protein at all. Like I'm just, I'm, I eat a low protein diet and all I eat is carbs and fats. Like, okay, let's add in protein, you know, still eat the carbs and fats, you know, still honor your cravings. But like, let's think about what we can add in, taking more of a gentle approach to nutrition, um, because I, I never say that like we can find health through a place of deprivation. So, you know, if we're just in that, if we're stuck in that, you know, restrict, deprive, I'm not allowed, that is going to backfire at some point. At some point, it is going to backfire, whether that be a binge or, you know, you just kind of throw in the towel and say, I'm just done with this this entire journey. Like, it's not worth it if I can't have the foods that I enjoy. So it's like, we don't have to cut out those foods. Like, and I think that's where a lot of people kind of get to extreme of like, again, that all or nothing when it comes to health. It's like, you don't need to cut out every single thing that you don't think is quote unquote clean. Um, Because I hate that phrase. Because honestly, that's like a phrase that is so... Anybody can just say anything is clean or unclean, like just whatever. So yeah, no, it's like really go back to like what you can add in versus take away. Um, Nobody's saying that it has to be one extreme or the other. Now that mindset of all or nothing does come from that diet mentality, right? You know, I'm either all in or I'm all out, but that's where we have to kind of draw the line there and think about where does this mindset even come from? And am I following people on social media that instill that mentality that I am, I does have to be all or nothing. Cause I do think that we are so influenced by other people. And if, you know, the friends that we have, the family that we have, the social media following or the people that we follow on social media, all kind of are in that really strong diet mentality. It is going to influence you as well. The all or nothing mentality. I also sometimes call it the, what the fuck mentality. Like you eat one cookie and you're like, what the fuck? I'm just going to dive off the deep end and eat the entire box. And then I'm going to go eat this and go eat that. It's like exactly like you said, today is ruined. How does someone or what, what steps would you talk someone through or what advice would you give someone who is struggling with that, that all or nothing mentality of, okay, I'm on my health and wellness journey. I am actively trying to eat more protein, eat more whole foods, feed my body well. I'm seeing progress, which is great. I'm definitely feeling a healthier relationship with food, but I do struggle with, okay, when I eat something quote unquote bad or something that I think is quote unquote bad, maybe they're still working on not labeling things good or bad, so to speak. It's hard for them to not then think, oh, okay, I've already ruined the day. So let me go do that. Let me go eat all of the cookies. So I'm not tempted by them anymore. I think I saw that on your page too. And you're like, that that's, that's a red flag. If you're eating all the sweets so that you're not tempted by them anymore, that's, that's a red flag for a relationship with food. What steps do you have for someone that's in that space trying to navigate that all or nothing mentality? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, it, it is very complex, which is why I do have that my online course for it, just because it's like <clears throat> there's so many different areas to go about when it comes to truly getting out of that mentality, because I know it can be so, so hard. But I do think that one of the first steps is to just remove the labels. Like, why are we labeling things as like, this is a good choice or this is a bad choice? Because subconsciously, if you're saying that this is something bad or this is something forbidden or this is a, I shouldn't be eating this. Like that does create this like inner diet rebel that's going to want to do the exact opposite of what your intentions are. So if we just remove the labels, which I know is easier said than done, but this is where some of that nutrition education comes in because everybody has their own perception of what is good versus bad. Everybody has different fear foods. So if we are still creating so much fear and so much, if we're putting certain foods on a certain pedestal than others, we are going to want the things that we tell ourselves we can't have or that we shouldn't have. So when we can, again, create more food neutrality and remove the labels, I'm telling you, you're not going to have such an intense desire to eat a lot of the foods that you think are bad. Have you heard about the milkshake study before? No. Okay. I'm gonna, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. Okay. It's very recent. It's very recent. So they took a group of people. They told them they were going to come back twice, have two different milkshakes or smoothies, I guess. One was a very high fat, high calorie indulgent smoothie where it is essentially like a like a treat smoothie. It's going to be super, super filling, super satiating. And then they told them that the second smoothie is going to be a diet smoothie. So it's going to have a little bit less calories. It's healthier, but it isn't going to be as satisfying. It was the exact same smoothie, by the way. It was the exact same smoothie. Same group of people drank the smoothie twice. When they were told that it was high fat, high calorie, satiating, more like a treat, they physiologically had higher levels of the, um, or sorry, higher levels of, or lower levels of ghrelin. So they were fuller and more satiated afterwards. And then when they came back and they drank the exact same smoothie, but were told it was a diet smoothie, less calories, less satiating, physiologically, they did not get the same levels of ghrelin. So they had now higher levels of ghrelin afterwards. They were more hungry quicker and they did not feel the same level of satiety. And the what the authors and the researchers were, were explaining, they're like, the way you think and feel about your food is so important because it impacts your biology and your physiological satiation. And if you're going into eating this you think you're eating clean and you think you're you're dieting and you're doing the quote unquote right thing. You're trying to eat super, super light. You are going to prime your body to be more hungry versus if you are looking at a meal saying, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to satiate myself, to get enough protein, to get enough fat, to get enough fiber. I feel good about what I'm eating. I don't feel restricted by what I'm eating. It was just so interesting how that physiologically had such a strong effect. And it's so beautiful that we're having science like this to help you know, the relationship to food space. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And this kind of also like goes into like when you have when you look at food as a reward or if you are looking at food as a reward or like a punishment, oh, that makes a huge difference in like the foods that we desire more of in our cravings. Um, so it's super kind of important to think about am I using food as a reward? Like, am I saving up to have these special foods or am I allowing for more, more balance into my day? Right. So would you actually recommend, so if someone, again, on this health and wellness journey of of working on their relationship to food while also trying to treat their body better, eat well, et cetera, would you 
actually say that sometimes the healthiest thing they can do is challenge that narrative of, okay, I'm going to actually have some pizza. I'm going to have some birthday cake because it's fueling me socially or it's, it's helping me separate these narratives of good and bad is sometimes that actually the health quote unquote healthier option for them. I'm just trying to think of the person that's saying, okay, I don't want to be having things like pizza or cake or pop or, or whatever, and how we can help them still be able to have those things in a way that feels good to them. When I think about nourishment and health, I think about there's different pillars to that. We don't, it's not just about eating the quote unquote healthiest diet. You know, if we don't have the social bonding that we get from food, you know, you're not healthy. I would actually say you're going to be so much healthier going out with your friends for pizza on a Friday night than staying home and eating carrot sticks by yourself. Like long-term, the stress reduction, the community that you have with people is far greater for your health than stressing about going out for some pizza and pizza. Like who's like, again, why is that a bad food? Like, why is that a bad food? It's just (laughs) bread, cheese, like those, we love it. So I think again, if you take just such an extreme approach to anything, like it is going to come and backfire and it's not going to be healthy for you long-term. Um, because there's going to be a point where there's other detriments of your health that are going to start to decline. So I do think that back to your point of like, how can we have these foods and be healthy? It's like, what does your life look like majority of the time? And, you know, you're, you, uh, I'm going to fall down this rabbit hole too. I hate when people use the term like cheat day <laughs> or like cheat meal. Don't do that. Like, don't, just don't do that. Same. I hate that phrase. So I'm not saying like you need to have certain days where like you splurge because I think that's like not a healthy relationship with food to have, but you're, you can have some pizza here and there. Like you can have a burger and fries and it's not going to make or break your health because it's one food choice out of like how many food choices you're going to make the entire year. That is one thing that I find helps so much is having this conversation of it's really not a big deal. It is not a big deal. Like we place so much weight on one tiny thing. Like a piece of pizza is the be all end all of the entire universe. And sometimes we just have to remind ourselves, it is no big deal. You can eat a slice of pizza and go right back to what you were doing before. It's almost like we have to loosen the grip of, or on, or the thought that it is, it carries so much weight and it's this huge decision. Just have a slice of pizza and move on. You know, like you don't have to think, okay, what am I going to change tomorrow? Because I ate my slice of pizza today, right? Like you're not going to have to make up for it. And you're exactly right. That, that balance is so important. And we know without a shadow of a doubt that the relationships you have in your life are one of, if not the greatest determinant of your overall happiness in life and your health. So exactly like you said, if you're sitting at home eating your raw salad, instead of all your girlfriends going out for Italian night, no, like that is definitely the wrong decision in that moment. Like you are not healthier for that. You are going to be mentally sad. You're going to have major FOMO. And I bet you exactly like you said, the quote unquote healthier option, not even that we have to use that terminology, but you will feel more full and happier and healthier in general and just be so much more full of life if you are are making sure to go out of your way to have those experiences. And also the more you do it, the healthier relationship will be. It might feel weird at first and I feel like it can take a lot of 
mental gymnastics at the beginning to be like, how do I feel about this? Okay. Emily said, you know, just keep going about my life. It's okay. It's not a big deal. I can treat myself. And I completely agree with you about the cheat meals. I always say, I'm like, your nutrition is the same as your partner. If you have to cheat on your partner, it's not the right partner. If you have to cheat on your nutrition, like you are not having the right plan and protocol. And exactly like you said, it's just another way we're manipulating food or using it as a reward. And then you end up looking forward to that cheat day or cheat meal the whole week. And what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. And if your diet is so like unsustainable where you need to cheat or you like you need to have cheat days, like <clears throat> I'm telling you, you can probably achieve whatever it is that you're doing without putting yourself through that much pressure. Like you, you don't need to be that extreme. Um, and I honestly, I feel like a lot of people get this like dopamine rush from like being on a diet. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I think so many people like that reward feeling of like, Oh, like I've worked so hard this week. I've restricted myself so much. Now I can finally just like splurge. And it's like, again, really, is that the way you want to live until you're like 80. Like, do you want to continue to be dieting? I mean, you're going to be spending more of your life dieting than you are having the splurges. And like, that's not a fun cycle to be in. So yeah, it's, it's, you kind of have to ask those honest questions to yourself sometimes. Yeah. These are really good questions to ask because this is also a, a difficult and uncomfortable conversation to have with yourself. Sometimes you don't even want to know because some, again, with myself, the answers were, were, scary, right? I I didn't even think I I couldn't even tell myself I had a problem with food because that would open Pandora's box and then now I had to do something about it. I had to go deeper, figure out what the heck is going on, where all my insecurities are. So I I I know a lot of the time women and people in general will shy away and and turn their head the other way and say, "Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's okay." But it's not fine. And these are questions you do need to ask yourself, but knowing that you you can have a path forward. There are resources out there, tools, courses, like you said, and the work that you so beautifully do that will help you. It's not like you're just thrown into the deep end now and you're going to drown and you won't be able to figure it out. A question that is, has come up during this conversation that I would just love to hear your opinion on as someone who focuses so much in this space. If you have a friend or a person in your life where you can actively see them having these red flags with relationship to food or very, you can see them struggling. Is there a way that we can compassionately, gently bring up the concern? Is there a way that we can express that we love the person and we see these kinds of behaviors? Because a lot of us, I'm sure have people in our lives where we're like, okay, I I think I see some behaviors there. If it's not in yourself, maybe it's in someone that you know. And of course, you love your friends, you love the people you're around. How can we show support while also, is it appropriate to bring that up at all? Or is that just not our place as a friend? I think it depends on your relationship to the friend, because I think, I mean, if you were to think about what kind of, how you would want somebody to communicate that to you, how would you want to take it? So you know, nobody likes to be told what to do. That's just most humans don't like to be told what to do, what not to do. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. So I think a better way to go about this would be to, one, be a role model to them. So if you see that they're struggling with certain things and maybe they're labeling certain things as good or bad or they're telling them, oh, I don't deserve to eat that. It's like, 
you can step in and be like, you know, whether it be, you know, reframing that situation, reframing their mentality. Um, you can be that role model to actually like eat a meal with them and like show them what a healthy relationship with food looks like through your own actions, because actions speak sometimes louder than words. And if you have a healthy relationship with food, it is going to influence other people. And that's why I, I always say the importance of like, when you heal your own relationship with food, you're not only helping yourself, you're helping everybody else around you. Because if you're the person stuck in diet culture, think about how many people are going to see that. Think about, you know, your kids, your family members, your friends, like they're all going to pick up on your behaviors. And do you want your friends and family to also struggle with that too? Not to say that it's entirely your responsibility, but just something to think about. But back to the main point of what I was getting to is like, obviously you can definitely express some concerns say, Hey, like, I don't think that's actually really healthy what you're doing. Um, maybe you can also share on social media, like I said, accounts like mine, accounts that are more food positive to them, like kind of like low key. It doesn't have to be something that, you know, maybe you shared on your stories or maybe you send it to them, say, hey, like this, this, counts, this account's great. Like, have you followed them? Or like, have you seen their stuff? Just so, you know, they can at least start exposing themselves to maybe your healthier messages around food that maybe they didn't, they weren't aware of before. I, I find too, another helpful approach, exactly like you said, might be saying, this is something I'm focusing on, or this is an account like I'm loving. These are a few things I'm working on. I wonder, like, have you ever seen this before? Have you ex ever explored this before? Talk to me about your relationship with food. It's almost like you reach out your hand and you're vulnerable with them and then you allow them to be vulnerable with you as opposed to just saying, hey, what's going on here, girl? I feel like you're you're looking a little uh, like you need some help. But then if you say, you know, food has been XYZ for me. These are the things I'm struggling with. This is what I'm really working on because I've heard it from XYZ and I really admire this person either can you help me with this or what are your thoughts on it? It's like if we can be vulnerable together. I think women really want to share because it's so lonely struggling with food. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, you you feel so shameful and guilty and you feel really fucked up sometimes. And you're like, if I told anybody this, they would think I'm crazy. Like they would check me into a mental hospital if they knew what was going through my brain or if they knew the things I was saying to myself. And so sometimes if we can just be vulnerable with each other and invite someone else to share. And again, when they tell you stuff, you can't be like, oh my God, like that's horrible. Maybe you can just take it and say, yeah, okay. That's, you know, I, I hear you. You're struggling with your relationship with food. Talk to me more about that. Because then again, you don't want that person to um, almost approve what you were already thinking in your head that you're messed up, right? That, that reaction can sometimes mm -hmm. be a little bit delicate. For sure. Yeah. And I know it's, like I said, it's, it's hard to even talk about sometimes. Like I've had so many women reach out to me saying like, I've never talked to anybody about this, not my friends, not my family. And it's like, it can be a really touchy subject to talk about, especially if you're holding a lot of shame for the things that you do. Um, so I think even just like lending that hand can be such a great, you know, first step as a friend. In your course, do you guys, do you have like a community where people talk to each other or is it very much so private? Like how do you structure that? Yeah. So I, I both, I do have both. I do have the group community because I think that community is something that really helps people when it does come to, you know, being vulnerable about these conversations, whether it be through, you know, your food habits, uh, like the restricting, the binging, but also the body image. I know that's something that, you know, we, we do better when we are able to speak, 
you know, when we keep things inside, you know, it's going to be really hard for us to heal. It's kind of like a flower, you know, we're not going to heal in a closed, you know, dark environment. We need to be out. We need to express, we need to, you know, bloom into something that we're actually meant to be. So, um, I do have that group community for, you know, ongoing support. Um, we have the group sessions, but there also is that one-on-one component where, you know, you can message me privately to talk about things that you don't feel comfortable talking about in the group, just because I feel, I mean, there are going to be some things where you're just like, Hey, I'm not really sure if this is something I actually can communicate. Um, so I think having both is such a great way to heal your relationship with food. And you are 100% right. It holds so much power over you when you keep it quiet. Even I found, it, again, through my own personal journey, I don't do this um, at the same level you do with your expertise, but speaking from personal experience, my first step was journaling and I found that very therapeutic. But when I started to talk to people about it, I talked to my mom about it. I talked to some of my girlfriends about it. it it's like it loosened its grip. Whereas when it's all in your mind and you feel so dark and shameful and embarrassed and guilty about it, it's so heavy. Whereas exactly like you said, when you can share it sometimes with other people, sometimes with just a practitioner that you really trust. And again, someone who has heard and seen it all like this is what they do someone like you it's it's so much more freeing you know it's like you're not crazy this is actually really common and the person can take a deep breath and say oh wow okay I thought it was just me mm-hmm. absolutely okay I want to ask you about weight loss because I'm very curious about your opinion on this first question number one how do you approach weight loss when we talk about intuitive eating and having a healthy relationship with food because a lot of people will lose weight in a very unhealthy way, right? Restricting a ton of calories, doing a ton of exercise. And usually the problem is people can't keep it off, right? You can lose a lot of weight, but it's really hard to keep it off. And I don't necessarily mean extreme weight loss. I more so mean to just a reasonably healthy body set point. That's kind of the frame around this picture. But how do you approach weight loss in a healthy way with your style of intuitive eating and, and building a healthy relationship to food? Is that something you focus on at all? Or what's your opinion on that? I have lots of thoughts on this. So um, I I don't consider myself to be a weight-focused dietitian. However, I'm not anti-weight loss. And I think that's something that can be so black or white in the nutrition space when it comes to intuitive eating. Because obviously, I'm not here to say, like, go on this fad diet and you're going to lose, like, 10 pounds in, like, 10 weeks. Like, no. As far as the approach that I take with my clients, when we focus on healing the relationship that you have with food, so let's say you've been spending so many of your years restricting, thinking that less is better when it comes to food, we may actually have to spend a period of time eating more for you for your body to have any response at all. Now, again, I don't like you to be stepping on the scale. I don't like you to be hyper fixated on calories or numbers or things like that. But when we take a more just like overall holistic approach to getting your body healthy first. I mean, truly healthy. Restriction is not healthy. Restriction is not healthy. Binging is not healthy. When we can get your body to a place of normalcy with food. Um, So we're no longer restricting. We're no longer binging. Our metabolism is on fire. Our hormones in a good place. Like you are just thriving. Then your set point weight will actually be something that comes naturally to you. So some people, this may look like weight loss in a more sustainable way. This may look like weight gain if you have been under that set point weight. Um, We all do have a natural weight, which in our bodies do feel the most comfortable at. Now, for some people, 
this may be higher than you expect. It may be lower than you expect. You know, we don't really have so much control over what this is. Um, now, obviously, when we're thinking about just having like a more freer relationship with food, right? So um, I will say that weight loss is something that can be done sustainably when we are focused on actually getting back in touch with your intuition. Now, obviously, with each in, with each person, there may be some nutrition education that is going to be you know, implemented. Um, I'm not going to say that nutrition doesn't matter at all and that food freedom is just like a free for all, like go at it. But I will say that I think so many women take dieting as like the end all be all for like being healthy. And I'm telling you, you cannot find health in deprivation. Um, you're not going to find what you're looking for if you keep binging either. So we have to really nail that relationship with food first and your body is probably going to respond favorably like long-term. You will also feel so much better about the body you have when you don't feel like you're in that mental prison. Like we all know the feeling where one day you're like, ooh, who is that? Like you walk by the mirror and you're like, wait, I feel good today. And then the next day you're like, I feel so gross. And like what happened yesterday? I felt so good. It's the same body, but totally different frame. And I I really like put that on a goddamn t-shirt. You can't find health and deprivation, y'all. Like we're putting that on some merch or something because that's good. That's the new, yeah, maybe motto right there. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Plaster that everywhere. Um, but it, it's so true, especially if you're using weight loss for self-esteem and self-worth and you're like, I will feel better and more confident in all these things. Like the skinnier I am, the better I will feel and, and the more worthy I will feel and the more deserving I'll feel of X, Y, Z. But I love what you said about – yeah, there's there's some weird thing with our culture these days where it's like if you even talk about losing weight in even a healthy way, people are like, shame, shame, shame. I know your name. Like horrible. Never even think about changing your body. But everybody deserves to feel healthy and confident and sexy in their body. And that's going to look different person to person. But I, I just really appreciate the frame that you had where if you are healthy, you will look good you will look good. So why don't we not focus on the body? Let's focus on you having being healthy in all terms of the word, not just eating broccoli and chicken, but also going out with friends, being able to treat yourself, being able to have that healthy relationship with food and not be obsessing over what you're eating all the time. Just loosen the grip that this relationship to food has on you. And then you will see that, that, posi that positive um, snowball start to go. And a lot of the time too, I'm curious if you've seen this. I know I have the stress response when we work on relationship to food and just almost dispel, I, I dispel a lot of myths in, in my, in my job. A lot of the time I'm like, just trust me because I'm going to say stuff that you have heard the exact opposite and I just need you to trust me. And a lot of the time it dissipates so much stress that people exactly like you're saying are like, whoa, I can have the things that I love. I don't have to cut out everything quote unquote unhealthy or like any type of treat from my life oh my God, that makes things so much better for me. And I bet you that lessening of that stress response, that re-regulating of that nervous system also contributes so much to the body composition. Oh, 100%. Again, if you're running on stress hormones because you're over-exercising, you're not eating enough, like your body's holding on to a lot of inflammation. And when you can like tap into just like a healthier relationship with food, we're not stressed, like we're taking rest days, we're taking a more sustainable approach like everywhere like your body is going to respond so much more favorably than like, again, what diet culture preaches. Yes. So you mentioned earlier in the episode, a few things that we can do to help 
focus on our relationship to food. You, you mentioned a lot of questions we can start asking ourselves, essentially just starting to make friends with this idea of exploring your relationship to food. That's kind of step number one. What gets measured gets managed, right? You, you, you don't know what you don't know. If you have no idea what your relationship to food is, you can't really heal it. And then you talked about um, not focusing on the label so much. If anything, making sure you're kind of pushing yourself out, outside of that comfort zone to go out with your friends, to have that quote unquote unhealthy food that we don't even want to call unhealthy, but you know what I mean when I say that. And almost have yourself do that so you can see, yes, you can. You can create this healthy relationship with food where those things have a great place in your life and it's no big deal. Are there any other things that you would mention to somebody who is wanting to start focusing on their relationship to food? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, as far as like just like what you can do, um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, focus on your own plate. Because I think so many people think about what other people are doing. Um, I've had a client message me saying like, you know, I'm like watching all these like what I eat in a day videos and like, you know, this intuitive eating dietitian's doing this and she's not eating this. And like, why why doesn't she eat this? And it's like, that is keeping you from being able to trust your own body. Like you're not learning what your body needs if you're focusing so much on what other people are doing. So I don't care if it's your friends, if it's your family, if it's your coworkers, think about how much time you're spending looking at everybody else's plate and comparing what you're eating to theirs. Because I guarantee if you're looking at what everybody else is doing, you're not going to know what the heck your body's telling you that it needs. Um, and that can create a huge disconnect of like not having body awareness because it's like, oh, I quote unquote should be full or, oh, I shouldn't have cravings for this. But it's like, what if you actually just like ask your body, like, what do I need? Like, what do I need? Because if, you know, everybody else mm-hmm. is eating low carb, you're going to have this fear in your head that like carbs are bad and you might not be giving your body the carbs that it needs. So focus on your own plate and I promise you over time, you are going to be able to rebuild that trust with your body. Um, now that would be like one of the first steps that have, um, as far as like anything else, um, one thing I just want to say to anybody who is struggling with their relationship with food is that struggling with your relationship with food doesn't have a look, you know, there's never going to be a point where you feel sick enough or that your problems are bad enough, but that is just your inner critic. It's, it's lying to you because there's no such thing as, you know, not looking sick enough or not having your problems be bad enough. Or maybe you're somebody who's like, oh, I've never lost weight. Therefore, my struggles aren't valid. Um, promise you, I would say 90% of the people I work with, they've never been underweight. So it really has nothing to do with the way that your external body looks, but everything to do with how your inner dialogue and the thoughts that you're thinking every single day. What would you say to the person who, when you say, think about what you feel and what your body needs. What if that person feels so disconnected that they're like, I don't know my, I don't know what my body wants. My body wants only a piece of toast with peanut butter all the time, or my body only wants McDonald's or my body only wants chips or only wants chocolate or whatever it is. How, how does someone start to reconnect or build that connection again to really understanding that intuition? Um, I would say, obviously, I'm going to be one to just kind of insert plug here. Like I do think working with a registered dietitian, if you feel that disconnected, can be so beneficial um, for anybody who feels like, you know, they're just so disconnected to where they're not really sure what a comfortable level of fullness feels like. You know, if you're if you're so used to restricting and binging, like that's going to feel like it's your normal. 
And it's going to obviously make a lot of sense why you don't trust your body because there is some dysregularities there. Um, now, I do think that some nutri- nutrition interventions may be needed for some people, but I will say for general rule of thumb, if we're eating three meals a day, that should be a non-negotiable. Like if we're not already eating three meals a day, that needs to be a non-negotiable every single day. Some people, they need to be eating every three to four hours for their hunger and fullness cues to regulate. But if we're not already there, that would be the first step. Yes. Oh my God. Something that became so apparent to me. And every time I work with somebody and we focus on breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in between if needed, that baseline covers so much. Sometimes you've got a messed up relationship to food because you are so deprived and you don't even realize you're deprived. And if you're not having exactly like you said, we like I scream that from the rooftops every day all over the podcast, all over the Instagram. I'm like, before you think of anything else, make sure you're eating enough food. Otherwise, you are going to be wired to struggle in these areas to binge, to feel obsession, to have all these, obviously there, there is more to it, but at the baseline, you have to make sure that you're covering that because physiologically that's what your body needs. And you're so right. Like we are all about, and I'm all about working with somebody, especially because similar to you, it was a decade of my life where I struggled with this in private and what I would do to go back in time to when I was 12 years old and actually be able to say, Hey, you don't have to do that on your own for 10 years. Here is a guide. Here is someone who knows what they're doing. Here's someone that's worked with a lot of people in your position. This person can help you and you will not have to struggle for this long. If you are trying to do this on your own, it can take so long and you can run the same race and make progress and take one step forward and three steps back and you can feel like you're not going anywhere. So especially with your relationship to food, it can be absolutely life-changing to work with somebody and enroll in a course or or do some one-on-one work or maybe a little bit of both. And I'll have you talk about what you offer in a second because I just love your work and I, I want people to know that people like you exist if they are struggling. And it's just, it, it will pay itself back in value so many times over. Like that peace of mind, the quality of life, it is priceless being able to have that back again. So can you talk to us about the course that you have? You mentioned a couple of times, tell us a little bit more about what that is and any other services that you offer. Yeah. So my, my program is called Nourish to Thrive, which again, kind of what we talked about and alluded to, it's like, I really just want my clients to be so nourished that they can thrive in their lives. Um, so it is a program that really focuses on getting you back to your intuition. Um, so we really focus on, you know, getting you out of that restrict and binge cycle of food. Um, we really also focus on unpacking a lot of those underlying and negative food and body beliefs that you may have that are keeping you stuck. Um, so we really also focus on the mentality that you have. Um, and because it, again, it's not just about the food, it's about your relationship with yourself. So um, we really focus in on, again, rebuilding body trust, tapping into your intuition and creating food freedom that's going to last you the rest of your life. Um, so as a dietitian, obviously, I do provide a lot of meal support, a lot of individualized guidance in that um, it, because it is a group program. Um, so I do have that in place. I do also have some one-on-one coaching spots available as well for somebody who's like, ah. Eh, Group coaching, not really for me, but I do need support. Um, So I do offer both, but I will say that the women in Nourish to Thrive, they make so much progress so much faster just because of that community. Um, So that is is like what I offer. And um, I do have Instagram as well. So that's where you can reach me if you ever need me. Um, But yeah, do you have any other like questions about that? My voice is 
going. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. No, that's perfect. Honestly, what I would have done to have found you when I was struggling in my teens, like, oh my God, I would have, I would have loved to know that a resource like this exists. And it's just so beautiful to know that this path is available and it's something that someone can explore with you. But honestly, that was beautiful. That was everything that I wanted to ask you. And I feel like you are such a good voice to be educating in this space. And you're you're such a thought leader in this space, which I really appreciate because I love your well-rounded approach. I feel like you are not polarizing in the sense that you're not all or nothing like we were talking about. You're very much so that holistic approach saying it's all about you, how you're feeling, what gives you the fullest, happiest, most fulfilling life. It's not about only being the intuition and never even thinking about what you're putting in your body, but then it's also not about only obsessing what you're putting in your body and shutting down your intuition. So I just want to thank you for the for the work that you do. I know without a shadow of a doubt that you're changing people's lives. And honestly, we are better off that you exist in this world. So just thank you for what you do. Thank you so much for listening to the Root and Remedy podcast. If you like this episode and you find our information helpful, then it would mean the world to us if you would leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Google, or somewhere else, just click that rating and review button and leave five stars. That allows us to continue to bring you great guests, free information in the women's health field, and get this podcast out to more people who need it. And of course, if you want to explore any of our courses, our one-on-one services, or any other resources, we have, you can find everything at rootandremedywellness.com.